0: Welcome to Boston's Best, a podcast where you go behind the scenes with financial planner Mark Condon as he asks industry-leading experts in and around Boston to talk about their businesses. Mark will find out what sets these companies apart from their competition and how they have risen above the inevitable challenges they have faced along the way to their ultimate success. And now, here's your host, Mark Condon.
1: Welcome, everyone. Welcome to episode 51 of Boston's Best. The goal of this podcast is to highlight businesses in and around Boston. My guest on today's podcast is David Huddleston. David is the owner of Huddleston Homes. Huddleston Homes is a boutique, Boston-based property management firm committed to providing personalized care to each of their clients' properties as if it were their own. David lives in Gloucester with his wife, and he founded Huddleston Homes in 2017. David shares with us that he grew up in Maryland, and then he went to Berkeley College of Music in Boston, and he never left the city. He graduated from Berkeley and started doing gigs with his band, Biscuits and Gravy, as a singer. A steady income was hard to come by doing gigs with your band. So David got his real estate license after chatting with his buddy, Matt Ramey, who owns Concept Properties. David's first sale was a $1.7 million three-unit property, and when asked who was going to manage it, David wasn't sure why, but he said he'd manage it. And that's how Huddleston Homes was born. In this episode, we talk in depth about the full suite of services Huddleston Homes provides. He tells us about the early challenges he faced starting his own company, as well as the successes he experienced, and when he knew he had a viable business with a bright future. And be sure to listen to the end, as David shares his puppy treat business idea, what he would tell his 18-year-old self, and how he defines success in any given year. And so, with that introduction, I hope you enjoyed this episode of Boston's Best. Good morning, this week we have David Huddleston. David is the owner of Huddleston Homes. How you doing, man? Doing well. How are you, Mark? Excellent. I'm doing excellent. It's summertime, so finally, uh, finally here. I feel like the world's opening up a little bit, and we can finally enjoy the outdoors a little bit for this sh- this summer. So pretty excited absolutely. about it. Yes, um, I'm. I'm excited to have you on, David. You we've known each other for I think almost about three years now. Uh, so very excited uh, to have you on and get into and Homes itself but tell us a little bit about yourself personally like did you grow up around here have you always been in, out of Boston or
0: Yeah so um I grew up in a small town on the Eastern Shore of Maryland Salisbury Maryland to be specific but for people that know the Eastern Shore uh it's close to Ocean City yeah. um I grew up in a small town went to a small high school and then um moved to Boston when I got into uh, Berkeley College of Music so that's kind of like my background
1: Okay cool so you went to you went to College for college for music at Berkeley and what'd you do after college to when you started Huddleston Homes Did, were you in the music business or
2: so you see
0: the guitars that are behind me
1: right
0: now <laughs> I, I do still, I still I still do music so um you know straight out of college I was doing gigs I started my own band and as a musician all musicians know that you really can't be uh, super successful playing gigs <laughs> <laughs> there's not a lot of money in the music business unless you're like you know Super lucky, like in LA. I needed something to support uh, myself, you know, basically during the hours of nine to five, but have flexibility. So I got into real estate because basically your own boss, you know, you, you don't have to, you know, answer to anyone. You just have your real estate license and right. you just go out and make a sale. It's commission based. So that's kind of what happened straight out of high, out of college. Nice. Nice.
1: So you play guitar? Did you play anything else? Like what was your main instrument in the band? You a singer?
0: I was a singer. Yeah. I was a singer in the band. Yeah. Uh, But I went to Berkeley for guitar.
1: Okay. Okay. Nice. How many people were in your, in your band?
0: Uh, So it could be anywhere between like seven to 10 musicians based on how many like horn players we could have. So like on one gig, we might have one horn player or like one gig, we might have three horn players. So it was minimum, a minimum of like seven people. So. Okay. Not bad. Nice.
1: What was the name of the band? Biscuits and gravy. Bisc- <laughs> I love it. biscuits and gravy. I love it. Yes. <laughs> nice, man. So, so you you were doing real estate. You you were just a traditional broker, and then you decided to go into property management. Like, how did that transition
2: happen?
0: Yeah. So the transition was, you know, I, so I I started out doing rentals at a company called uh, Boardwalk Properties. My colleague. Uh, Mr. Matthew Ramey, a little shout out that owns Concept Properties. Yeah,
1: I know, Matt. I'll have to have him on here. Yeah, you
0: have to, definitely. He's the <laughs> man. So he got me you know, into the real estate game uh, early on, uh, right out of college. And I started out in rentals. So I was making like, you know, pennies doing rentals. Like that's yeah. not what the real money is in real estate. So I started <laughs> no. out doing that. And I was doing, you know, gigs on the weekends. And then, you know, during the week, you know, I was, you know, doing rental transactions. So the transition for me to get into property management was actually with Matt Ramey when I did my very first sales transaction. And it was like, you know, most people when they do a sales transaction, like for their first time, it's like kind of like lower in terms of the the price. Yeah. This was a $1.7 million transaction. This is your first one? My very first one. (laughs) So it was very frightening. Yeah. I didn't know what the heck I was doing. Yeah, of course. Um, so when the person bought the place, they're like, "Do you know a property manager?" And I was like, "I can manage it myself." And it was kind of like just out of the blue. I don't. I had no idea why I said it. And <laughs> after the fact, I was like, "What did I just do?" Before? Yeah. Right. <laughs> so that's kind of like how the transition started. Like just like I sold a really you know expensive building and then you know went into uh, property management. How many units were in that building? Three units. Okay.
1: Okay. So nothing super big, but still. One- but then we went
0: on. But the, the next deal was 2.5 <laughs> 2. million. That was five units. So I was like, all right, let's keep this rolling. Yeah. And I was like, hey, I already got this property management thing under my belt. Let's keep going. And uh, I just kept building that way. So anytime I did a sale, I would just offer my services as a property manager. So okay. that's how it started.
1: Got it. What year did you... uh officially found uh, Huddleston Homes? I think it was uh,
0: 2017. 2017 is when I registered my EIN number and became like a legitimate um, business.
2: Yeah,
1: okay, so four years, that's pretty good. Yeah. That's pretty good. Um, I've
0: been a a real estate agent for 10 years.
1: Okay, so do you still dabble in like real estate transactions? Are you solely on the property? Yeah, I just just
0: sold a place, uh, 40 Rutland Square, uh, in the South End. It's one of my best friends that I grew up with. We've been friends since uh, we were three. I just sold it for nine hundred and fifteen thousand dollars. I just sold okay. it a month ago. So yeah, I still down.
1: Okay. So it's not just uh it, it, was that like a single family or do you only do multifamily sales? It was a condo, was a condo that has a like condo, a sp-
0: okay. yeah, in the south end. Got it. Okay, cool.
1: I always I'm always intrigued by just business owners themselves because you know I'm a business owner myself. How do you manage a calendar with the never-ending demands and especially in your field, like you get getting, getting calls at like midnight or two AM, and you got you got fires and you got you know snow plowing and like how do you how do you manage that?
0: So a lot of companies are like proactive instead of reactive, but in property management, it's just it's inevitable. You're going to be reactive because you're going to get calls over time, yeah. right? Yeah. So to plan my calendar, basically when I get a service request, I put it in my phone write it down uh it's funny the concept properties agents like i've been doing training over there for the company and uh i bring in my little like notebook and they call it the bible because it like, i should show it to you it looks like it literally looks like a bible and i just write everything down so like i put the date um i put what needs to be serviced and then i back that up on my phone so, like i have two forms of yeah. like my computer and as things come in, I'll say, okay, well, I'm going to be in this location at this time, so I can bang this out at this time. Right. So that's basically the structure.
1: Okay, and you don't just do it yourself. I imagine you, you know, outsource a few things here and there, right?
0: Yeah. So I, I just recently I hired. This is going to be funny. Maybe I shouldn't say this, but <laughs> um, my mother is retired, so you know she's bored. She doesn't have anything to do, okay. and she's really, really good on the phone. So I hired her. So I'm paying her as an employee now. And I have her like you know, in communication with all my contractors, like all my tenants. So basically, I talk to her at like nine a m tell her what the you know the docket is, and then at five p m we follow up and she tells me, like, okay, we got this done, we got this done, we got this done. And I didn't have that before. This is just like super recently, okay. but it's actually helping me grow the business, yeah, I don't have to worry about all that stuff,
1: yeah, for sure. So you got that, and how about you know when you need electrical work and plumbing work? Do you legit do that all yourself too? And
0: no, so anytime it's like an electrical issue or a plumbing issue, I so I have I have three electricians and three plumbers, but I I could use like ten if I could have ten, I'd have ten, yeah, yeah. because they're all busy. like they're backed up like easily, you know, like two to three weeks wow. sometimes, yeah. But I don't do any electrical work or any plumbing work. I hire those contractors out because you know as a property manager there's a lot of liability and you need someone that's actually licensed someone that like you know actually knows what they're doing i won't touch anything when it's turned. you know if it's a toilet that needs like a new flap or like you know a new mechanism in a tank yeah all day long i'll take care of that yeah uh, if it's a serious plumbing issue or electrical issue I, I can't touch it
1: so what are some of the early challenges that you faced when you decided to start huddleston homes and what are some of the early successes where you realized, like. Shit, like I got something here. Like this is gonna be a pretty viable business.
0: So I think some of the early challenges, you know, anytime you start a business, like you don't know how, like you don't know what your marginal costs are. Yeah, you know, and and you know, it's it's tough when you know you have to cover expenses on the ha- like you have to have liquid, yeah. you know, to cover expenses on the behalf of the landlord to get reimbursed. Right, you know, like I found myself you know, spending like $10,000 on a job and then waiting, you know, two months to get that back. Yeah. Like challenges like that, like you need to have funds to be able to run a property management business. And I was lucky enough to get over that hurdle and like, you know, get liquid. One of the successes that I've got out of it was just like the education, like just going into these properties and like just learning. Like anytime, like in the very beginning, like anytime there was a contractor that go over, which uh, to a property, I was always there, and I was like sitting in their face, watching exactly what they were doing and yes. learning from it. So that was one of the successes, you know, that, that I got out of
1: it. Yeah, so you're just picking up how to do certain things, and you know, yeah. when certain things go wrong, and who to call. I'm still learning.
2: I'm still, I'm yeah. Still learning.
1: <laughs> yeah. I can only imagine. Um, I mean, it's not easy to start your own business. Are you a pretty like routine guy? You have any you like type A OCD tendencies or anything like that?
0: I don't think I'm OCD. <sighs> But I will say I do have a routine. You know, I I try to go to bed, you know, at a decent hour. Like latest I'll go to bed is 10 o'clock. Yeah. So I, I try to be in bed by nine. Lately I've been waking up around 4 30. You know, 4 30, I do a little whistle. And that brings the dogs. I, you know, two dogs. That <laughs> will bring that will bring them down. My wife's still in bed. That will bring them down and that's like the trigger for them to go outside. Yeah you know, then I'll like walk them around the block, you know, at this point, it's probably like, you know, five, Yeah, I feed them, you know, and then after that, I get on my computer, check on my emails. And then for the most part, I drive into the city and just like, you know, run around, check all the properties. After that, you know, I work on my real estate stuff. I work on, you know, contacting all my clients at like, you know, 2.30 before, you know, dinner time comes, yeah. you know, my pipeline. That's basically my schedule. When I come home, I cook dinner for my wife, give her a foot massage, and then go back to sleep.
1: So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you, you had me until the foot massage. Uh, you, <laughs> you and I are uh, very similar in a lot of ways. I didn't realize you went to bed uh, that early. I'm the same way. Like I'm pretty much nine to four is when I try to get some sleep. Uh, yeah. But and then you know when the dog hears me get up, he wants. He knows at this point he's 13. He knows he's going to get fed, so he's ready to go downstairs and get fed. And then you got to take him out, and then you're in the fresh air. And all of a sudden it's, you know, it's 4.15, 4.30 and you're out in the fresh air. It's hard to go back to sleep. I mean,
0: you're up and awake. You're ready to roll.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Especially in the winter in New England. I mean, it's, you know, when 10 degrees slaps you in the face, like you're not going back to sleep. (laughs) Yeah. Like I'm very much the same way. I'll usually try. I mean, COVID dampened it a little bit, but I'll try to go to the gym after that from like five to six. And then, then I just come home. I have a smoothie. Start my day. And then, uh, you know, my wife, she works in the city. When she comes home, dinner's usually ready for her. And then, uh, yeah, well, I'll skip the foot massage and then, you know, uh, we'll, we'll just hang out, watch some TV or something, but then, uh, then call it a night. Yeah. I like that. I like yeah. that. <laughs> How many total properties and then I guess intern units do you have at this point?
0: So I have, I have 97 properties, 97 units, sadly to say, out of the four years I've been doing this, I just lost my first client. I haven't lost a single client over the course of four years. I lost my first one. Ah. And I thought I was going to have like a nervous breakdown. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty good, though. No, it is pretty good. Yeah. Like, nutrition's, like, basically, you know. Yeah. So, but, um, you know, it, it was tough because it's like when it happens for the first time, it's going to happen again. Of course, you know, but nine, 90, yeah. So it's, I'm trying to get over to like my goal by the time I'm 40, I want to have a thousand.
2: Wow. Okay.
0: Yeah. And That's, how old are you now? I'm 31. Oh, all right. So you got a decade. You yeah. Go. yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's growing pretty quickly too. I think since I was able to hire a couple more people, you know? Yeah. So I hired like
0: three employees over the past uh, two months. And I'm gonna, the plan is to hire like another, like, five by the end of the summer
1: yeah i mean that's kind of how it happens when you start your own business right like the first i mean especially my business as well like that those first three to five years once you hit that point you've kind of like you're here like you've made it and then it's just kind of like that horse uh, i'm sorry like that hockey stick like you just see like a big trajectory like it just it's slow 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 and then it just skyrockets up because things start to snowball um you know it take you know basically it's 100 units in four years but you know, another four years, I don't think you're going to be at 200. You could be at 500, right? Yeah. And then four that's years right. after that could be a thousand, uh, you know? So that's the goal, man. Yeah. The, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's kind of how the nature of the business, especially with, you know, entrepreneurship and just business owners, it's, it's just grinding, it's networking, it's relationships. Uh, and then eventually, like, if, I mean, if I ever buy a rental property, you are my property manager, right? Like
2: we've, yeah. Exactly.
1: yeah like we've cultivated a relationship over the past few years. I don't know another one but even if I did I've known you for a few years now I like you and we've become buddies so it's just like that's the business like people think sometimes like uh business owners like the business is sales it's not like the business is relationships yes it's all about
2: relationships
1: all about relationships right like if you know like and trust somebody and whatever their field is that's the person you're going to use because you know they're not going to just try to sell you something they're going to treat you right and eventually That's just how businesses grow. So
0: you you couldn't be more correct about that.
1: So what what advice would you give someone who would like to start their own business? Not necessarily it doesn't have to be property management, but just in general, like what is some what would be some advice you'd give them?
0: The advice that I would give someone to you know if they're trying to start their own business is dedicate a solid year of being in the red in terms of like you know taking a hit, yeah, and then also dedicate that same year. Basically, not having a social life, you basically have to put in like so much work and really stand behind what you're trying to do. Where like you're eating, breathing, and sleeping, what you're trying to do. Like, you can talk to your friends on the phone, like you know, after dinner. You know, you're not going out to eat, no, that's just <laughs> you're not going out to eat anymore. You know, the, the first month you're eating ramen and eggs, yeah, back in college again. Yeah, dude, I'm going to tell you about that later, but, you know, save your money. You're going to be in the red the first year. Make sure that you are surrounding yourself with human resources that can help you, that it's free human re- resource advice. Yeah. If you can get as much free information as possible, especially use the internet. I mean, everything's online, Everything. right? But just, just dedicate yourself to have a year that just like, it just sucks, but you put the work in. If you really want it, it's going to happen.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Cause eventually like, you know, depending on what age you're at, you know, if you're starting right out of college, you don't have any money, but if you're starting at like say 30, you know, you've had most likely a W2 salary job, you're, you're going to take that pay cut to start. Like I can relate. I, I ran another business for 12 years. And you, ran,
0: you ran the, uh, what was the company? Are you still running? Don't you yeah,
1: run? yeah, yeah. Chip business. Yeah. 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 So, you know, I ran that for 12 years. I didn't want to do it for another 30. You know, I was about 31, I was 32 at the time. And, uh, Fortunately, I was able to sell half the business and, and do part-time there, uh, which you know it gave me enough to get by. Mind you, I got a mortgage, like it gave me enough to get by as I transitioned to a, a job where it's just there's no base salary. It's just what you, you know, whatever you earn, you 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 get to keep. Uh so I was able to dip in the toe 50-50 there. And then at the end of the year, the that first year, yeah, I think I made like probably about 50K, you know, in the new uh career in my first year. And I was like, all right, like now's the time. Like I got to jump. Like I can't just continue to do both of them, you know, half ass. Uh, yeah. So I eventually sold, or I didn't sell it, but I had somebody. I just uh, you had somebody else work for me and went full time into this. Uh, you know, in that second year, was like probably like all right. It's like I think it would be like eighty k in that second year. I'm like, all right, like I can do this. Like now, like I can do this. And now it's just you know that's just the nature of the business. But I was just getting by, and mind you, like the social life that you mentioned. You know, my wife, Andrea, and I, we met four months prior to me being like, I'm just going to go into, you know, a zero salary job. Like, <laughs> you know, it's just, you know, it's, uh, and then working both jobs, studying and getting the licenses, you know, it was, it was tough on a new relationship for that first year. Uh, but, you know, it's all paid off at the end. But yeah, you got to realize that your, your social, if you can sacrifice somewhat of a social life for the first couple of years, it's going to pay off in the long run. But uh, a lot of people just, you know, it's, it's hard to make that
0: jump. Just gotta talk to them on the phone. Just still yeah. be their friend, but just be like, hey, I'm yeah. not going to the bar tonight. I'm not yeah I'm not I'm not coming to your house. I gotta work. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Like
1: the, you can talk to people in 17 different ways now. Uh so you know yeah. you don't necessarily have to go to the bar every single night and spend twelve bucks on you know, uh on a on an old fashioned, you know, just uh yeah. just to get out. You know, you can save you money elsewhere. So let's get into Huddleston homes a little bit more. Like, what are the full suite of services that that you provide for your out.
0: we are transitioning from being like a boutique style, uh, property management company into like actually going like full scale and like being a lot larger, as I mentioned before, like we're trying to get up to like a thousand units, right. the basic things that we do is, you know, we have annual maintenance plans for, uh, your appliances, especially like your furnace, anything that has to do with, um, landscaping, you know, every spring. For example, like, you know, this past spring, we went to every single property and we cleaned them up and we got, you know, the maintenance plan going. So like every two weeks for all the properties, we have the landscaper going out, cleaning things up, making sure there's no weeds. I personally, my service is going in, and fixing small things like, you know, garbage disposals, you know, appliances that are like dishwashers. I can basically fix appliances for the most part, but our service is collecting rent. Fielding phone calls from tenants when something breaks, and then hiring the correct contractor to take care of the job. Three is you know transparent communication with the landlord, making sure like they know constantly what's going on with their property. Yeah, um, keeping a budget, hiring cleaners. You know what I mean. So yeah. we're, we're I mean we're full service. Got it. You know we do everything. And right now I would say like before I was doing like seventy five percent of the small things. And now I'm doing like 40% of the small Perfect. things. Yeah. Well, was, that's the yeah. ultimate goal, you know?
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, so
1: how do you vet out contractors and landscapers? Like I imagine uh, there's got to be some horror, not I don't know, horror stories, but there's got to be some negative experiences that you've had vetting out certain contractors.
0: Oh, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's endless. <laughs> <laughs> it's completely endless. Um, but normally, it's so like the way that I kind of started to do these contractors was like I found one guy. His name's Dimitri and he has uh, Dimitri's painting. You should check him out. He's really good. Right. I hired him for snow removal, but he's really a mason, And he knows, you know, all types of carpenters. He knows all types of painters, you know, he knows all types of landscapers and he's someone that, you know, I trust. Yeah. So just from the very get go, I was able to get, you know, some people that he was referring. And I just, you know, you always go with someone that you trust that, you know, they trust, you know, I've gotten a lot of referrals also out of uh, BNI, which you're very familiar with. But yeah, there have been, there have been some times that I've been burned in terms of like contractors, like not showing up and then like, you know, yeah. Like doing a terrible job and like making it worse and then not answering a call and you never hear from them again. So Uh it's part of It's the nature of the business.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's tough. And I'm, I could imagine though, at this point after four years, you got, like a solid crew that you trust and they're going to do a solid yeah. job.
0: Yeah. As I was saying before, like, you know, I, I have a ton of contractors between electricians and plumbers and I have, you know, several carpenters and normally like they're, they're available, but uh, in the trades business, it's always tough to get some money. So. Yeah. No, I, I, I believe it. I believe it.
1: So how do you, how have you gone about marketing yourself? You mentioned B and BNI. Um, do you do any social media or any like, you know, any Google ads or anything like that? Like, how do you go about marketing yourself? So, I'm actually in the
0: middle of a marketing campaign to generate leads. So, I actually, I, I never, like before, I guess, April for like the past four years, I never did anything online. And the, the problem is, like, I'm just terrible with the internet. With <laughs> You're 31, the, yeah, I just, I'm terrible. I'm, I'm <laughs> so, uh, you know, honestly, a lot of my networking and, you know, and marketing has gone through BNI. I'm very word of mouth. Yeah, you know, I'll, I'll walk into and you know into a store and just you know pour my guts out to someone and like get a lead. I moved to I moved to Gloucester back in uh, late August. And oh, okay, I've already made you know a lot of friends here, and they're like you know there's not a lot of of, of younger people, but I've made a ton of friends. I became a member of the Portuguese Social Club. Nice. You know I'm all like the small business owners, so like I'm already putting my name out there, so that that's kind of how I do it. I'm like basically you know organic,
2: yeah, yeah,,
1: oh, that's perfect. I mean, again, it goes back to those relationships, you know yeah. um you know outside of b and i like i'm I'm in a softball league uh with just a bunch of guys who happen to be business owners, like I joined the Framingham Country Club, you know, once I moved to the Metro west, and it's just there's so many people there, and you're just naturally through conversations uh gonna cultivate you know, those relationships that turn into, you know, hopeful business at some point.
0: Exactly. You know, so what made you move? You were
1: in Somerville, right? Now you're in Gloucester.
0: Yeah. So my wife and I, we met when, uh, we met in 2011. So it's been, yeah, 10 years. So we lived in Somerville from like 2014 until, until now, until, uh, 2021. The reason that we moved to Gloucester was because it was just like, we wanted to buy like an actual house. And yeah, we wanted to be near the water. Yeah. I mean, we wanted to like have a place that was big enough to start a family. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's tough to do that like in Somerville. You yeah. know what I mean? It's expensive. We could have spent a fortune, and like we could have afforded it, but like it just didn't make sense. Yeah. And we'd rather like live in like one of the best beach towns of all time, and only be like forty minutes away from the city. I mean, we lived in Somerville with traffic. If we left the house at like eight fifteen. We wouldn't get into the city until nine o'clock anyway.
2: Oh, jeez, yeah.
0: You know what I mean? So like, yeah. why not live in like a beautiful beach town and like get to the city in the same amount of time? So yeah. that's one of the reasons. I mean, we have like a you know beautiful home here. Like I'm literally looking at the beach from like two directions. <laughs> it's why, wild. You know, I got my guitar in here. I can just sit here and chill. So
2: yeah, yeah. That's
0: why we moved from Somerville.
1: Got it. Nice. Yeah, that's awesome, dude. Yeah, because when you were showing me before we even started recording uh, this episode, I was like, "That doesn't look like Somerville." Like, I just, I the last I knew, you lived in Somerville. I didn't really realize you moved, so I didn't know if Somerville was getting some water all of a sudden somehow. But that makes total sense. <laughs> <laughs> so let's get into COVID a little bit. Uh, you know, some industries COVID crushed them. Um, some industries COVID, like I had a, a guy that owns a veter- veterinary clinic in Boston, Boston Veterinary Clinic, and. You know, people were adopting pets and like his business actually took off due to COVID. So like how how were you impacted last year due to COVID, you know, good, bad, or the ugly?
0: So it kind of came in waves. So from the very beginning, like when the CDC like put all these guidelines out and all that, all the tenants, you know, whether it was trying to show an apartment or whether it was trying to get in to fix something, you know, in terms of maintenance that they didn't even request, something that like needed to be done. It yeah. was difficult to get in because the tenants would be like, No, you're not coming into our place. Right. But it's like, listen, like, I need to replace the smoke detectors. Like yeah, this, right. <laughs> this is like a like a serious like safety issue. Right. Like, I have to get in there. You know, th- that was part of the challenge. After that, the second wave was like everyone was working from home and they started to notice little things here and there that were wrong with their place.
2: Yeah. So then at
0: that point, it was like. You better get over here like tomorrow and fix, you know, m- like minuscule stuff. Like, oh, my screen is missing from this window. You need to come get, you know, the dimensions of this screen and fix it tomorrow. That kind of stuff. It wasn't like calls like, okay, my refrigerator isn't running and all my food's rotting. It wasn't stuff like that.
2: Right.
0: You know what I mean? It was like, I can't reach this light bulb. So you got to come over today. And nice like, for- dude, that- that's property management. Like Grab a chair, stand on yeah. a chair and change the light bulb. Like what? Yeah. So, I mean, and that's property management for you. So like yeah. I started getting calls more and more. So they didn't, like the maintenance requests and the service requests like skyrocketed because everyone has noticed every little thing that was wrong with the place and they like had nothing better to do than to point them out. So that was that was a huge challenge. And that was kind of like the two waves of it. Um. Also, what was really difficult and is still difficult was the fact that You know, tenants weren't able to pay rent. You know, a lot of people, they stopped going to work and they started taking unemployment and the unemployment payment was like not enough to pay their rent. A lot of people said, you know, screw it. I'm going to go home and live with mom and dad. I'm not paying rent anymore because I don't live there. Figure it out. Find someone else to live there. Yeah. Like we had to, we had to hire an attorney and like, we had to like, you know, make these people pay something and we're still in the process of doing that. You know, Um, there's a lot of government programs out there that will like help you. pay okay i I didn't even know that yeah and they a lot of these tenants like were not educated on that so it was like educating them and like telling them hey this is how you go about the process but like also the difficulty and like having that you know empathy and like talking to landlords and being like hey this kid's like 20 years old he's paying for this place himself yeah he doesn't have a job you know he's in college he's trying to pay his tuition like
2: yeah give him
0: a break You know what I mean? It's like balancing like the two sides because it's always a two-way street. Of course. So those are are like kind of the challenges we faced with COVID. But now it's getting better.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's good. Yeah. I didn't, uh, yeah, that type of situation, you know, poor college kids, they got so much to balance and they're just, you know, bartending or waitressing at a restaurant and those businesses got shut down and now these kids are out of a job still trying to pay their rent and pay college tuition. Yeah. That's tough, man. Tough.
2: Sucks. So, what do you
1: see for the future of Huddleston Homes? You mentioned 1,000 properties. Is that solely, and I guess, two questions? I guess, like, are you already just in Massachusetts? Like, and is the goal to stay in Mass? If so, or is the goal to be New England uh, nationwide? Like, what's the future? The goal
0: right now is to just expand as much as we can in Massachusetts. You know, so as I mentioned, you know, I moved to Gloucester and I'm tr- trying to build a base here in like the vacation rental market where yeah. during the summertime I have like, you know, 20, 30 clients up here and I can enjoy my summer and like, you know, walk down the street in my swim trunks and like go and service a property, like, yeah. you know, go and clean their pool or like, you know, clean up their deck or whatever. Yeah. And then I want to extend uh farther down to, you know, the Quincy area. Okay. I only have the properties that I manage there. So it's really Staying in Massachusetts, but just expanding, you know, whether it's north, south, you know, west, like east, I'm all, I'm all good. Right. But like, you know, you're in Framingham. Right. I think with the team that I'm going to be, you know, hiring, I'll be able to go more west and more south. And okay. I can handle everything up here in Gloucester. So okay. that's kind of the goal. I don't think I'll go out of state. You know, yeah. if I move out of state, it would probably be in California. because I have family in California and they might be like team up. So, but yeah, I mean, the main focus is the massive.
2: Yeah, no, that's fair. That's
1: fair. Uh, So, all right, outside of work, you obviously, you're only 31, but it's such a long ways away, but do you ever picture yourself completely like 100% retiring, like just, you know, selling the business at some point or maybe just collecting passive income through, through the properties? Like what's that vision look like? It's a really good question. So
0: I'd say like, Two years ago, I always thought, like, okay, if I bust my ass and I really work hard, I might be able to retire by the age of 50. Yeah. If I get all my stuff together, wife, no, because we're a power team, like my wife and I, like, yeah. we both, you know, we work really hard and like it works for us. I was like, if I work really hard, maybe I can retire by the age of 50. And then I moved here and uh, technically my house is NB zoned, which means that I can run a business, like an actual business, out of my house. It's not like technically residential. But, like if you walk into my house, you walk into the dining room first, then you go into the kitchen. To so the left of the kitchen is it's called like a den. I wouldn't. It, we use it as a living room, but it's like I call it a den. And there's this. There, there's two windows, and one of the windows slides open like this. Okay. Right. So that portion of the house is business owned, right? Wow. So and there's also a little door like that leads right to the street off the sidewalk. So my wife and I have been like going back and forth. on like, how can we get income out of a business? So like we came up with one idea, which is where like, you know, I'm a musician, like where we have people come over and like, we have like a local artist perform for like a small group of people, like, you know, eight people, they have like that's this cool. like exclusive thing. And my wife's like, I don't want a bunch of random people coming to my house. I was like, okay, that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> so then we came up with an idea we put like, you know, those like flower boxes, like you put below window. Yeah. Put one of those out and you put two sets of dog treats sides of the window and they're organic dog treats. So we get like wholesale. So it's like probably 30 cents a treat and like you're making like 70 cents if like you're selling for a dollar. So you're making like 70 cents on each treat. You have two A-frames and on each A-frame, it's my dog, Ray. And then the other one is my other dog, Blue. Yeah. And you pick between the two and it's at the Bottom it says, we run our business on the honor system. Leave a dollar, take a treat. It's passive income. Yeah. You can expand on something like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I can, I can go to work and like come home and there's like 20 bucks in <laughs> the slot. And it's like, okay, let's order dinner tonight. Right? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like little things like that. Like I think I'll, I'm always gonna be an entrepreneur and like I'm yeah. always gonna try and like come up with yeah. creative things. I don't think I'll ever stop trying to be an entrepreneur, but I do think like the, like, the hustle and bustle and um, you know, the, the like physical aspect of doing it, I'll probably, you know. Yeah. On, so.
2: no, that's, fair. that's why I
1: like asking that question, just because like, other just like entrepreneurs, like I'm the same way. I mean, I'm always trying to come up with ways to create some sort of passive income. Like my personal goal for 2021 was to have five sources of income. Wow. Right? Like I started the year with two. And it's like, all right, like I have an idea for three and four. I'm still trying to figure out five. That idea kind of just came to me. I think it was Saturday. What is it? And so it's drop shipping, drop we're- shipping off of Amazon and Walmart. A buddy of mine does it and does it very successfully. Uh, and I'm like just dipping the toes. Like my knowledge of it is like minuscule, maybe like five percent knowledge of really how to do it. But I was ch- we we grabbed some sushi the other day and we were chatting about it, and I'm like, this is really interesting. He said, yeah, man. Yeah. He's like, you know, like it, you can go down the rabbit hole when you start Googling, like how to do it. And you just don't know if these people are trying to sell you something or, or what's legit. He's like, but a buddy of mine does it. And again, relationships, like a, his buddy does it, knows how to do it. And he's going to show him how to do it. And he started making you know, some money off. He's like, yeah. He's like, this month will probably be like 1500 bucks. I'm like, what do you do? He's like, honestly, I don't really do much. <laughs> like, You know, That's like, yeah, for fifteen hundred bucks a month, and like as you know, like uh, you know, my wife's she's halfway through her pregnancy, so I'm like, okay, well, that's like a little bit over half of what daycare probably costs. So like for me, it's like so like stuff like that, you know. So I'm constantly trying to think of stuff. Uh, so you know, I feel like when I set goals like that, like I had two and I want to go to five. Like I have no idea how the hell I'm going to get the five. But if you don't you do, do it, it yeah. Do but, it. It, but if you don't like set that goal, you're not going to try to figure out how to do it, right? So, you know, at the end of the day, if I got one extra source of income this year and next year is another one, like you just yeah. build off of that, I'm only 37, you know? So that's why I like asking those questions. Like I love that dog treat idea thing, you know? It's just- yeah, like, I don't
0: have to do anything. <laughs>
1: yeah, that's, that's the dream, like that's the dream, you know? So last couple of questions that I ask every guest on Boston's Best. If you could tell your 18 year old self one thing, what would you tell them?
0: I would tell them, don't waste money on college and get your real estate license is <laughs> <I'm laughs> <sure. laughs> a really great experience, and it helps with like your mental development. So yeah, yeah, go to college for sure. <laughs> what I would say is save every penny in college, you know, I had to work all through college, freshman year to senior year i I to work. That was to be able to eat. That was, you know, to be able to, you know give a portion of it to my tuition. yeah, and then that was a portion of it, you know, for entertainment, right? Yeah, of course. I spent a lot of money on stupid stuff that I didn't need to. Yeah, stupid crap like you know clothing, trying to look cool. Yeah, taking trying to like wine and dine like you know a girl. Yeah, you know stupid crap like that. Like don't wine and dine a girl. Go to Trader Joe's, buy a seven dollar frozen meal, stick it in the oven, and tell her that you made it yourself from scratch. <laughs> Dating advice from David (laughs) Huddleston. But yeah, I would say just save every penny when you're 18 because you're going to need it because life is really expensive.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that's a great point because, I mean, you don't know any better. And, you know, I think now we're getting, you know, we're both in our 30s. I think, you know, our parents probably tried telling us that when, you know, we were teenagers and early 20s and you just, you don't realize it until life experience hits you and then you you learn it for yourself. But you just get people to save something. You know, I spent every penny that came in. It came in, it went right back out every single time from like. You eight-
0: one of those wine and diners.
1: Yeah, I, yeah, I, I was, I was, and then I bought my house when I was 23 and like, it hit me real quick that, oh shit, like I got a mortgage now, like I can't like do all this stuff. So fortunately at like age 23, I kind of started to realize it, but still I, I had enough to pay the mortgage and then I spent everything else until I was probably like 27, 28, realizing I have nothing. Uh, at, at all for retirements or anything. And I just have some cash, like, you know, a couple grand in my bank account. That's not really going to get me too far. Yeah, that's
0: not. Yeah, that's not yeah. going to get too
1: far. So, uh, but no, I think that's really good advice. Um. So, lastly, and this is a question I've asked every guest on Boston's Best. It, everyone has a varying depiction of what success looks like to them. So, yeah. how would you define success?
0: That's a good question. Success for me is finding someone that you can spend the rest of your life with if you're lucky enough, because that's hard for a lot of people. Yeah. Two is being able to actually own your own home. Three is being able to have enough money to be able to go out to eat for dinner at least once a week. And then four, health insurance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. Success to me. Yeah. You know? No valid. valid. That, that's that's success. And uh, yeah, I mean, that's life, right? That's, yeah. that's really all it is. I mean, there's a lot of people out here that, Really can't take care of any of those things, and it sucks. Yeah, you know, they never own their own home, like they never find you know their soulmate. Yeah, you know, um, they don't have health insurance. Those are like the basics. If you can do those things, then you're all set. That's my opinion.
1: Yeah, no, I think that's great. One question I'm going to ask, put you on the spot: Was your wife right there when you said you got to find a soulmate? Yeah. I don't know if you had to say, if you said that on your own or if your wife was there. Uh, I know you mean it regardless, but. <laughs> it was triggered. <laughs> <laughs> I was just messing with it. I thought I heard something in the background. It's like, I gotta, I gotta ask him. <laughs> but uh, look, man, Dave, it was great having you on. Love helping promote uh, Huddleston Homes. So thanks again for coming on. It's been a pleasure. Mark.
0: I, I appreciate the time. Uh, this is going to be great for my business. And I really wish you all the luck with this podcast. It's like pretty much genius to do this. So uh, <laughs> I appreciate it. I appreciate it. All right, we'll uh, just crush the day. Go and kick ass.
1: You too. I'll talk to you soon. Hey, everyone. I just wanted to say thank you for checking out my podcast. I really do appreciate the love I've received for this show. I believe now more than ever, any exposure to local businesses is great for them to receive. And I'm trying to do my part. If you are a local business owner or someone you know in the Boston area that would like to be featured on the podcast, please email me at bostonsbestpodcast at gmail.com. Also, if you enjoyed this episode, please follow this podcast. It's available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and iHeartRadio. You can also find us on Instagram with the handle at Boston's Best underscore podcast, as well as Facebook at facebook.com backslash Boston's Best Podcast. Again, I truly appreciate the great feedback for this show and stay tuned for each new episode every Friday at 8am.
2: Take care.